I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on War Chant TV. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you're going to have a great week. Florida State back on the practice fields again today. Today at 4 o'clock is when that practice begins. And a lot of media covering as they get set to go into pads. Tom, did you say Wednesday is uh, pad day? That's, that's the day I'm looking forward to. All the practices are fun, you're right, because of the uptick in athleticism, depth, and uh, competition. But I'm curious as to the uh, padded days. I got to confirm that. I-, I thought I heard Mike say that last week, that there were a couple of acclamation right, practices. I, I-, I heard the number two, but maybe that was wishful thinking, that I'd see padded practices before we break for spring break, because they have four, and then it's hurry up and wait. They're gone for a week. It goes from the 11th to uh, the 22nd. So, yeah, that's what you need to expect. Yeah, I'm really grateful to them that they're doing that because I, too, am going out of town like so many other people uh, with their families and, and their kids having spring break or whatever it might be, just vacationing and the opportunities to do that now. I don't have to miss anything. Don't have to miss all of the important practices. That'll be good. And Briley just asked the question, are they in the afternoon? Yes, if they're on weekdays, they are in the afternoon, 4 o'clock, Four Briley. O'clock. So uh, stay tuned to War Chant TV, the uh, – Post-practice reports and all that kind of stuff will leak out from anywhere between 4 8 p.m. with all the interviews. But uh, weekend practices are earlier in the morning, but they have two scrimmages that we can't see. So that doesn't matter yeah. two of the Saturdays ahead. Well, I, I think, uh, again, this is going to be the most exciting post-practice kind of roundup reports, information gathering that we've had in three springs uh, because they've got some players that are going to emerge. You know that's going to happen. The competition's better. We just got done talking about it last hour. And I think that the fight starts now. And you could tell that was the kind of uh, twinkle in Mike Norvell's eye when he talked about those battles and some of the newcomers, some of the transfers, some of the other young kids that took a big step forward this offseason during the tour of duty. It all added up in his mind to a better product, more depth, and the ability to push, push, push and get guys to dig deep and compete and I think more than anything else if you just have an overview of this spring that's what you're most excited about I don't think this team is going to go from being a five-win team to a 10-win team I do think this team has a chance though to take yet another step forward and if you're thinking back on what this is in terms of the overhaul and the 
the amount of time and investment and and hopefully uh, you know the journey too. Um, this has to be another step forward. It has to be a big step forward. And I think he's got some some horses to do that with this time around. Yeah, again, I mean, if you're looking for, and, and there's a wide variety because of injury luck and or turnover luck, if you're looking to land somewhere between seven and nine wins, you know, if everything is equal, then eight is where you land. But if you get a couple of breaks, nine, this team looks to me size-wise to be capable of doing that. It's just a matter of to see the football acumen, the development between now and then. I'm just excited that they have so many of their dudes here 95% of the roster is what Mike Norvell said. That makes for really competitive practices right out the gate in spring. And then also that tells me with the transfers and some of the freshmen that they get to go through the strength and conditioning program all summer. It works. You're seeing a lot of different body types that are returning players. Like DJ Lundy, for example, is one. Look much better. He is way trimmer than he was last year. Ryan writes in here to, to express something I said too, and that is that I think you'll see, and I mean this in a good way, I think you'll see a lot of guys hit the road after this spring. Uh, the writing will be on the wall, and that's good. Lord knows there are a number of guys at a number of positions that if we are to uh, continue to flip the roster, we'll need to take it on down the road. We talked about this last week when we did the uh, video with Ira for defensive backs. Like We might be exporting players to yeah. other Power 5 institutions, and they might do something for the other institution. Like, what a concept. Not because they were kicked off the team, not because they were a problem off the field. Or incapable. Just because it's a numbers issue. You've got too many players. Like, that is a possibility, specifically a defensive back. I don't know about many other positions. No, yeah. Maybe a couple of linemen who aren't good enough to play here, and now that you have the requisite depth, and they can see that they're never going to really be able to push through. I would tell you again in the defensive backfield, it is a novel concept that the idea that Florida State has enough healthy and productive bodies on the offensive line that a kid might decide to transfer. Uh, that is, can you imagine, my goodness gracious, what has happened at Florida State? What a time to be alive. I mean, I would be elated. Florida State over the weekend gets the win at home against NC State to close out the regular season. All that's left now is the ACC tournament. A magical week in Brooklyn, as Tom has uh, proclaimed it to be. So we will hold our breath and hope that it's happened. I do know this. It's nice to win on Senior Day yet again and to get to 500 in the conference after a season in which you were riddled with injury. Coach Hamilton and his staff have done, quite frankly, an amazing job given what this year has, uh, well, what, what this year ended up being. Uh, not what you expected. Not when you lose your best player. Not when you lose guys that uh, provide either quality depth and or uh, starters minutes. You, you can't expect them to turn around the way that they have and win three straight at the end of the season when they didn't have an awful lot to play for. So it says to me that they were able to make adjustments, coach up the guys that were here, get them to buy in, get them to fight, and that is a real good sign. And, of course, you never want to lose on senior night. You never want to lose at home, especially since we take such great pride in winning here at the TLC C every single year, and we've suffered some hiccups this year. Uh, to see them bounce back, it's not you know the be-all, end-all, given that they're not really headed anywhere. It's nice to see the fight. 10-10 and 10 in the conference, 17-13, and 13 ends the regular season on into the ACC tournament. Uh, I mentioned the schedule for Florida State. Uh, again, Wednesday we'll have the opportunity. And, uh, well, is it, yeah, Wednesday we play Syracuse. Is that right? Did I noon. have that right? Yep, yeah, noon. noon. Yeah. And then if we win, it'll be the noon tip again and on it's Thursday. it's time against Duke, which gave me the, really the moment of the weekend. I can't tell you the, the joy I felt in my heart watching their fan base weep as Coach K and that Duke team lose at Cameron Indoor 
by a lot to their most hated of rivals, who took an extra measure of joy and exuberance and certainly demonstrated it with each and every passing minute in which it became obvious that the Blue Devils would not prepare. Well, and it also reminds you that Coach K can just straight up be an ass, like a total self-love you know, machine of an a-hole. That's what he is at times. Now, there are other moments where he will praise other players and other programs yeah, for does a good job doing well. Well, he likes winners. He doesn't like when you fail him, and, and that's how he sees it. <laughs> you have failed me. Well, there are countless examples. He had the back issue years ago, and he wouldn't let the players – Wear the uniform. Wear the uniform with the logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. remember that? We were he laughing was, about he that. He was laid up in bed, and they were summoned to his house. This is a real story. Yeah. They were summoned to his house only for him bedridden as he was to say, you don't deserve to wear our logo. Yeah. Like, what? And then Life Spectator put it in the chat last hour. He forced them to sit on the visitor's, visitor's bench, bench. – the visitors bench after they lost and he apologized for them because they were such a disappointment and they ruined the day like oh my god this is amazing i'm so glad it went down the way that it did and for north carolina fans that's got to count almost like a final four because of what they did to that program that day and that building being like a funeral it was amazing yeah they that that will never go away. I mean, that will always be there. They'll always have that at the bar to bring up. They'll always be able to go. Yeah, what happened at the going away party? And you're right. It was evident in the speech that he gave, in which he attempted to be humble and gracious, but it was too much for him. He was pissed. He was livid. Now, there's a part of me that gets that. I mean, to go out there and to lay that egg in that game, even even less so about, you know, hey, it's my send-off, it's my final game, but it's your rival, your arch-rival in Cameron, and you got an ass-beaten. Was it less about that? Well, I'm not so that's sure. To be, that's to be debated. I think it's humiliation to have that many players. He's probably livid because of all the guys that came back to see it and then, you know, obviously witnessed that beatdown. I don't know that a man who uh, might be as humble as you're talking about and thinks about opponent first and not himself would allow for a post-game ritualistic ceremony such as that in which you trot out everybody on the court and he goes on for 20 minutes to a half an hour. What is that? That's crazy. It's more of an opportunity for those of us who stayed tuned to see those losers cry. I just it was great. I was like, it's still going. What? <laughs> oh, I stayed. Oh, I stayed locked in. It was like I Sean Payton's wait. press conference when he when he yeah. stepped down for New Orleans. That thing went like an hour and a half. I couldn't wait though. I was like, oh, let's see. Continue to pan the crowd, please. Show me that. Oh, there she is, crying, weeping over. She's still crying. She was crying with four minutes left in the game. What are we doing? Then there were the the you know the forlorn, distant stares from the former players, sort of a how dare you guys yeah. let us down to this magnitude. And the current players like thanks for dogging us. Like yeah. you're really pulling no punches right now when this should just be a grand ceremony of a legacy. Instead, you failed me. Well, Shut up. Let me say what I'm gonna say. <laughs> like what? Get my family out here. Keep them away from the players. I don't want their suck to rub off on them. Mickey, come here, oh, Mickey. Oh, it was so good. It was good. And uh, the, the other part was, he was like, he tried to spin it as in, we'll, we'll use this as fuel. We'll take this as a lesson. I hope you're right. I hope that the players resent him more yes, than please. they ever have. Come on. That they're like, F this guy. You're going to big time us? Yeah. Now, I, you know, I doubt it. You didn't make the tournament last year, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> 
If I'm Paolo, I'm like, oh, you're going to dog me. I'm the kid who came here to save your program and your legacy. Because if that was, if last year was his last year, they would have. Those tickets would have gone for a hundred bucks, not a hundred thousand dollars. I can't imagine. By the way, I don't care how rich I was. If I were, you know, fifty million dollars, I got fifty million dollars in the bank, and spending a hundred grand doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not spending ninety nine grand on a regular season game. What the <laughs> hell are we doing? What is Dirk doing there? What are, is he like married <laughs> to Coach K's niece or something? <laughs> like you would think a USA basketball player would be there. That's nuts. I want a gold medal with him, not Dirk. It was weird. I didn't understand it either. I don't know why anybody would spend that much money. I, I, again, it's a regular yeah, Jerry Seinfeld was there with Adam Silver. Like, what? what? Uh, so for the fourth consecutive year, Florida State had a player named as the sixth man of the year. It's Matthew Cleveland, averaging 11.5 points, nearly five rebounds per game. Uh, he now joins Scotty Barnes, who I watched play yesterday for Toronto, Patrick Williams, and Fiondu Cabangeli on that list of previous Knowles that have won the award in succession. Um, but also, Matthew Cleveland was the only FSU player to make any of the ACC awards list as well uh, from that group, so good. And three automatic bids already in the NCAA tournament. Oil Chicago out of the Missouri Valley. Oh, there, they in. Go again. there you go. Murray State out of the Ohio Valley are in. And the Longwood Lancers. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, kid. I mean, that is so good. The name's Lancers on top of it all? The Longwood Lancers. That has got to be the greatest school bookstore of all time. I mean, if as long as they embrace their name, the shirts, the, 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 the abundance of themes, the Longwood Lancers. I would believe that would be a bumper sticker or one of those clear things you could put on your car that goes across the entire car. <laughs> <laughs> They've all punched their tickets tonight. Automatic bids will be handed out in the Southern Conference and in the Sun Belt. Uh, by the way, being played in Pensacola for some reason? That's weird. Huh. Yeah, all right. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> you caught me off guard with that. Good for them. Good for you guys making it on over to Pensacola. There you go, Pensacola. Yeah, yeah, there Take you a go. couple of bucks for local economy. Go hey, to Perfect Plane. Do what you, you need to do. Florida State uh, took two of three from Cal, and that was a nice series win. Bullpen's troubling. I think you got to make a change of catcher. Could be all right. Starting rotation is having none of it. And for that, they will have a chance in every meaningful series they play between now and when it's time to go off to Omaha. I mean, that, that that's you go into conference play this upcoming weekend with an opportunity to win any series because you're rolling out that group. What the hell's going on with Cal? Okay, so they were good enough to beat TCU earlier this year in an, uh, it was a neutral site tournament of some kind. Then they lost two to Illinois State, two out of three. Well, if that's their Sunday starter yesterday and he's got that kind of stuff, what's that going on was, with them? That dude was filthy. We still strike out too much a little bit earlier. This was a bad weekend for that. Yeah. This, but that kid was good yesterday, well, too. Well, that kid was filthy yesterday. He uh, rode in on righties with that two-seamer in on their hands. He had the fork ball, and he would drop the breaking ball to keep you honest. Uh, he had guys guessing an awful lot, and uh, I give him credit. He was a reliever who stepped up and then has gotten more opportunity. They That dude right there, his stuff plays on a Friday. His stuff is really well. So their Friday starter was good too. So yes, he was. You know, their Friday yeah. starter was really good too. So that's why it's a good series win for Florida State. Take two out of three. It is. I just I can't stress this enough. I we do this as a fan base 
more than I'd like, and that is flip out about individual games and moments, especially in games, because in baseball it happens a lot, where a good team, a, a, a good program, a program that is uh, perhaps hoping to punch their ticket to Omaha, will, Omaha will lose a game to a team that is uh, not as big a name and, and, and not likely to go to Omaha, and we immediately assume then that there are going to be lasting implications to that. There could be, if they continue to do that, there could be problems as you move forward if you lose all of your midweek games. We had this discussion last week. But, man, Florida State has a chance from an RPI standpoint. If you're talking about the Boyd's World stuff that we always bring up. Which is critical, yeah. Yeah. Well, think about how many series you're going to play against – you still have a TCU series to play. You're still going to play Florida. Obviously, you have the series against Miami. You have series all throughout the ACC. If you're winning series, that's all you really need to be focused on. And Florida State has a chance – now – are there things that have to improve for us to get to be where we want to be, to be the formidable team that I think enters the postseason with a chance to make that magical run, right? Yes, yes. Better find people out of that bullpen that are more trustworthy than we currently have. Absolutely. Better make more contact. Admittedly, this was a bad weekend for swing and miss. That happened a lot. There's requisite power. They're very aggressive on the base pass. I mean, really aggressive on the base pass in the sense that they kind of manufactured those runs and put pressure on Cal in the Sunday game, who then turned into a Little League outfit momentarily. But I think when you're putting pressure on people to make throws and to make sure that you do everything right every time because of said pressure, then those are the kinds of results you get, especially in college. It's not Major League Baseball. You know, Teams who do that in Major League Baseball run themselves out of innings. In college baseball, if you do that, you put that weight on the other team and make them execute perfectly every time, they're not going to. They're not going to. Yeah, you know, for all of the uh, hand-wringing for the first couple of weeks about base running and how bad it was, I thought it was a decent weekend in yeah. that regard for us. Yesterday in the eighth, it's a three-run game, so you could or could not, with runners on first and second, decide to well, I was put yourself at risk. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, well, as as the catcher's rearing back to throw, to third, I'm thinking, oh, no. You just ran yourself out of an inning, right, thought. Right, right. But, but he doesn't make an accurate throw. He doesn't. Second right. and third, those two runs end up coming around. So, yes. so it worked out. It worked out this time well, around. Well, I, I just think you are, you're trying to establish, an, you know, who you are, an identity. And at least offensively, you're going to be somebody that pushes the envelope when you get men on base because you believe you have the requisite athleticism to do so. Now, it's not always going to work, and there will be moments where it's ugly, but you either are committed to it or you're not. Yeah. And I think so far that they've been unwaveringly committed to it. To me, I just I want to see us have that national seed. Obviously, you always do. But I saw signs of a Hauser on Friday night. Oh, that was awesome. That's a little different, and that means that it can be great and loud and awesome again. I mean, I, w- I moved around the ballpark. I was down the left field line for a little bit, and then the right field line, I was in the bleachers front row when Terrell hit his game-tying home run at 3-1, to one, and that ball was gone, I mean, off the bat. I was watching Terrell. I knew, the ball- I knew where the ball was going, so I was watching him enjoy his moment. I saw students getting tossed out for maybe enjoying life a little bit too much. I was like, okay, yes, <laughs> we're back. We're back. This is this is an atmosphere oh, again. Running people out of and here. And then I was up with the animals for the walk-off in the ninth, and that was rowdy as heck too. Like I was, okay, now if we can have this in uh, May, June, it's May, for regionals and super regional play, this is like it used to be. Towards the First end there of, of Mike Martin's career when we were at home for those things, eh, it was okay, but it wasn't the same as the early part of the 2010s decade. 
that was spicy on Friday night. So let's let's give ourselves a chance to host. Yeah, that was fun. It was cool to be out there, and especially on a weekend like this, like we talked about in that first hour where you had so much good in the weekend, the start of football, and then, of course, softball won, and then, of course, you got baseball winning the series and basketball wins at home against NC State. Weather was perfect. Everybody wanted to be outside and enjoy those moments together. It's a good thing. Speaking of good things... Chad and Shannon, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. That's a good thing, too, and you get a different kind of mortgage experience when you call these guys, especially if you mention my name. If you mention the Jeff Cameron Show, they're going to take care of you, you fellow Knowles, you. So uh, we appreciate now that uh, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans, Chad and Shannon, are on board with us. Don't forget to check them out online at fsuhomeloans.com. Say hello, Online at FSUHomeLoans.com. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply and she was lying in the grass Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Ira Chaffel set to join us here momentarily. Warchant.com will get his observations. And um, busy weekend. Busy weekend that we've documented. Busy time still ahead, which is always exciting. Good thing. Uh, and an opportunity to kind of continue to talk about where this team goes uh, from the baseball diamond. Basketball team we know, obviously, already pointed out the Wednesday noon tip uh, against Syracuse, a win, turn around and play again against Duke the following day. And then, of course, obviously our running coverage on warchant.com of the uh, football team. And uh, everybody gets excited about football always for good reason, but uh, perhaps, perhaps more of a reason this spring than there has been in some time. Won't know for a while uh, just how much better they can be. I do think they'll be an improved team, and I do think it's fair to point out uh, that there's improved depth there, and that's uh, something that creates competition and something that to, you know typically uh, creates a better uh, starting uh, 11 on offense and a starting 11 on defense. Joining us to talk about it right now is Irish Chaffel, Warchant.com. I should say, I should do it right. Ira Chaffel, Warchant.com joins us now. Hello, Ira. How are you, brother? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. There's a lot to uh, to document from the weekend that was. That's always cool. It was one of the better Florida State weekends in a long time, and I think across the board a lot of people were excited to be out and about. The weather was perfect. We had football. We had baseball, three games, a good series against Cal. Had a basketball team get a result on senior day, which is great as well, beating NC State to get to 500 in the ACC, which is nice given the kind of year that it's been. Let's start with the moneymaker, though. Let's start with football. Uh, we were obviously all out there, and uh, I think uh, you know what I've said about this group, and for those that haven't read it yet, go read Iris321 on Warchant.com. Uh, but I, I think there's better depth here, and I think there's overall more talent 
and guys that look the part, as I've said repeatedly, some, some more of them than we're used to seeing at spring, and that's enough to be very encouraged. Yeah, man, and uh, I like the fact that you used the uh, Mark Kikorian soccer, the, the basketball team got a result this weekend. Yeah, there you uh, go, buddy. Oh, you know I know the lingo. We got a good result there. <laughs> um, the uh, Yeah, no, I, you know, look, I, I think, you know, again, it, we feel like we always have to preface this by saying, and I, I caught some of your, your guys' first hour, and I heard you guys doing it as well, we feel the need to always preface everything with, look, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, we're not saying this is a team that's going to compete for a championship, but the difference is noticeable, uh, and, and I think it's noticeable to the players. I mean, it's got to be. You know, there are guys on this team that have started either last season or the season before who now look at that depth chart and look at the guys that are they're lined up by the practice and think, okay, man, i got to bring it at a high level to have a chance to, to, to be on the field. And if they don't realize that, then they're going to get left behind because there are a few positions on this team right now where there's no competition, almost every position – there's real competition, and that's got to make them a lot better. I agree, and I think you started with the thing that really wowed me more than anything else. I know it is uh, absolutely normal for all of us to have our eyes gravitate towards skill positions. The sexy positions are receivers and running backs and quarterbacks and defensive backs, but you got to start with that offensive line to see the numbers, to see the ability to perhaps rotate, move guys to different spots and have depth behind it, that's not anything that Norvell or Coach Atkins has had the luxury of in his time so far at Florida State. And I think they'll have that as long as, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. They've got real competition there on the offensive line. Yeah, not only have they not had it, but Florida State hasn't had it Mm-mm. in a long time. You know, that towards the end of you know, Rick, Trick, Rick Trickett and Jimbo Fisher's time, they did have one big class where they tried to fill some holes on the offensive line. They signed a bunch of offensive linemen. And really, almost none of them panned out. It was the class with Jawan Williams and those guys, and that class didn't pan out. And then you had some coaching changes, and they have not been able to get back on solid footing since. You know, last year, bringing in Dylan Gibbons and bringing in um, Devontae Love Taylor the year before kind of, you know, gave them a, it was kind of like, you know, band aids and bailing wire. And they were just trying to make do. But this is starting to look like an offensive line, again, where you have depth, you have competition, and you have a front line that, Assuming guys, you know, if guys can stay healthy, you have a front line uh, that will give you an honest chance in most every game that you play this coming season. Now, again, they still have to stay healthy because you don't have a, a too deep of guys that can play at that level. Um, but the fact that you have some depth gives you a better chance to keep guys healthy. I mean, a lot of guys the last couple of years that have gotten injured, a lot of those guys have gotten injured in practice. I think uh, if you go back, I think Maurice Smith got injured in practice. I think Dylan Gibbons might have gotten injured in practice. There's several guys because they've had to play so many reps and they're out there so much because you didn't have – sometimes they didn't have 10 offensive linemen. They barely could fill, fill a two deep. You might have had guys playing on both lines. Well, now you've got a three deep on the offensive line, and there's three – three I think three of the four uh, freshmen that haven't enrolled yet uh, are offensive linemen. So they're going to have even more guys going into the next fall. So that's really exciting. Yeah, and he talked, you know, on Friday, uh, Coach Norvell talked about that improved depth and talked about the ability to move guys around possibly. He kind of tipped his hand a little bit talking how critical it was for certain guys to have good springs and and to be part of that. Uh, And and, and that led you to, during the 3-2-1, talk about, you know, where will Darius Washington line up this season. And um, I would have never thought going into the camp uh, that we would have those kinds of conversations about moving guys around and trying to plug other guys in and having competition at certain places where a year ago it was unthinkable. 
Yeah, and I think he's really, you know, he gives them a great luxury. I mean, I really think that they feel like he's a guy that can play any of the five positions. Alex, Alex Atkins said that uh, when we spoke to him on Friday. And, uh, we, you know, last year he worked at some guard. He was the emergency center. There were a lot of times where they were close to moving him to center. There are some people around the program that feel like center is where he might end up being uh, best in his position, kind of like Cameron Irving came in uh, and mm-hmm. made that move at some point. And so uh, I think um, that's a possibility, but I don't think it's a possibility this year because you have Caden Lyle. So now it becomes, is he? are you better off with him at guard and one of these other guys like Lloyd Willis or Bless Harris or somebody at tackle, or are you better off with him at tackle and, and one of these other guys at guard, or are you better off with Darius kind of, you know, being a guy that floats. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. My guess is he'll end up in the starting lineup, uh, but it could be at a number of different positions, and it, it's not a lock. I mean, there's a chance they could say, you know what, we we like these other five guys that work best together, and Darius is going to be first off the bench really at any position. Were you surprised that Coach Norvell specifically mentioned redshirt sophomore Roy, Lloyd Willis? I'm not because we've just been hearing for the last two years. The kid's been on campus now for a good three years, and, you know, from – Going back two years ago, I remember hearing people say that that guy looks like people inside the program say that guy of everybody we have on the offensive line, he's the one that you could say, okay, that guy could be an NFL offensive line. Not because he could play that way, but just he has the physical tools. So then the question was, because he was so raw, he grew up as a basketball player, could they develop him? Could they get him to that point? And I think over these last two years with Alex Atkins have been great for him. And I was really interested to see if he made another jump coming into the season. And the fact that Mike Norvell singled him out, uh, I think, is a great sign. And I think there's an opportunity for him. I mean, he's been here three years now. Uh, he's certainly got all the physical tools. If he can put it together, that gives you not just a guy who could play offensive line, but maybe a guy who could look like an NFL player on the offensive line, which is something they haven't had in, in a long time. I asked Tom this, and I've kind of posited this myself. Curious for you, who's the one guy, or maybe of the newcomers, Who's a guy that stood out to you right off the bat that you thought, oh, okay, well, that might be different. Anybody that we saw that came, whether it's a transfer portal guy or a true freshman, whomever, that you thought, okay, I'm excited to see what he becomes. Now, I'm going to go with A.J. Duffy. Um, I just, I, you know, and there are a few other guys that I could name, but I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly, I don't know if we've seen a better passer of the football uh, on that practice field since Seamus left. Um, I mean, it's just, uh, and again, it's one day. We'll see how it goes over time. But it is one day on top of what he did at the Elite 11. Uh, not At the Elite 11, he did okay. But then at the Under Armour, uh, the All-America game, he was the, probably the lowest-rated quarterback there, according to the re- recruiting services, went in and by everybody's account was the best quarterback there. Um, and then we had been hearing good things about his first couple months on campus. And then to see the way he threw the football and the variety of throws he can make and his release and his mechanics. And you know, he's a, he's a coach's son. I just think all those things, man, make you excited. Cause again, Jordan's a, you know, I don't have any question. Jordan's the best option at quarterback for Florida state in 2022, but I, I, I don't recall a better throwing quarterback on those practice fields in the last seven or eight years. He did look good. He did. And, and it's funny in some ways you can't be afraid to say it. You know, it's like you know the second you say it, people are going to roll their eyes because he's probably not going to, you know, he's, you don't want him to have to start this year. you you got problems if he does. But you you still can't, like, look the other way and pretend that you're not excited by what you saw, even in 7-on-7s, seven seven, just to say, man, confident, assertive, threw a pretty football, comes off his hand really easy, 
threw in rhythm, recognized what he was supposed to recognize in a timely fashion. All those things are reasons to believe that the the future is very bright. And I would dare say this, and I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying to be careful, but there, there have been guys come through here Ira, at quarterback uh, that didn't look that good in year two uh, of just throwing the ball around. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah, and, and and the other thing I'd say is, and, and again, putting all the clues together, they have kind of tacitly put their chips in with AJ Duffy a few times now. If you remember when Nico Marchio had committed, mm-hmm. committed to Florida State first, he was not excited that they were going to recruit AJ Duffy. But they were like, sorry, Nico, we're recruiting A.J. Duffy. And then when A.J. Duffy committed, Nico bounced. Then going into, uh, you know, coming into uh, right before signing day, when they had a chance to get involved with some high-profile transfers, some four- and five-star guys that were on the transfer market out there nationally, Florida State did not dabble in any of that. They wanted to stick with A.J. Duffy, made that commitment to him. And, and I, I really think you're seeing why they were so committed to A.J. Duffy. Now, that's not to say that, they think he's going to be a three- or four-year starter, or that Chris Parson, who's in the next class, uh, won't have a fair shot, or that uh, A.J. Duffy's going to be what they hope. But but you could tell how excited they were about the possibility of him. And and this was – seeing him in person was, you know, the first time, I think, for any of us to realize, okay, now I see what they like. There's a bunch of variables that go into a guy becoming a starting quarterback at a school like Florida State. We all know we've seen all the pitfalls through the years. But if he can avoid those – you know, it certainly looks like the talent is there. Fourth consecutive year that Florida State has a winner on the hardwood of the Sixth Man of the Year Award. It's Matthew Cleveland. Do you want to add your thoughts to how Florida State concluded the year? Uh, frankly, I think it's impressive to finish 10-10 and 10, given what they were and what we were talking about with them a month ago. Uh, not a great season. A lot of reasons for that. Uh, many of them centered around injury, obviously. But to win three straight, to finish 17-13 and 13 and 10-10 and 10 in conference, uh, again, a long way off from where they had hoped to be and where they have been in recent years. But I, I thought they showed some fight where I was worried at one point they weren't going to give us that. Yeah, and the NC State game was more of a formality because of those last three games, that was the, the game that they should have won. And they had every business winning. The other two, maybe not so much. Winning at Virginia, certainly in the style they did. Beating Notre Dame at home, yep. uh, those were too impressive. But but to, you know they had to finish the deal to finish with a three game winning, winning streak. And yeah, man, you know again, I just think I had them circling the drain after that Boston College game. They played so bad in North Carolina, showed a little bit of life for a half against Duke. Played so bad against Boston College. I thought they're going to finish below five hundred. The NIT is a pipe dream at that point. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they kind of turned it around. They found themselves won these last three games and. You know, give them a chance. I think they beat Syracuse in the first round. Uh, I think Duke is probably going to drop a hammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> round game. But, man, again, it's just if, if they could end this season and the ACC tournament winning four of their last five games with what they, I think they're going to do with this roster going forward, uh, you know, I think it's just it gives you a better feeling, certainly, than what you had three or four weeks ago. Did you derive as much joy as I did <laughs> watching 94-81 to 81 in Cameron Indoor? The thing is, man, I, I had a hard time. I felt a little bit bad for some of the players because you could just tell it was in their throat. You know, I mean, and I, I'm not saying I feel bad for Duke basketball players. I was about to say, Ira, be careful. On a human on a human level, that's a tough situation. But seeing these kids crying in the it's just like, man, if you want a definition of, of entitlement, Woo. like, I mean, you're this is the end of your world because they lost a basketball game and. You're, you know, the the king, the emperor didn't uh, get to go out with a win. But, uh, you know, I also would have liked to have seen 16 hours of coverage of Bobby Bowden's final game. But, hey, 
we'll, we'll let bygones be bygones. <laughs> be well, sir. Talk to you later. See you now. Irish Chappelle, Warchant.com. Yeah, that was good. It's like the day that they dreamed of with the ACC Network. And uh, we'll, we'll see what the uh, ratings were and if we get any extra receipts for that particular basketball game. Man, I, my, this is where I was laughing because not only was I enjoying that play out the way that it did, the fact that my wife was laughing at Duke, she's so indifferent. She was like, look at these losers. I was like, mm. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, she's talking about the students. She wasn't talking about the players. She, you know, oh, it's a good team. She was talking about the the students weeping with three minutes to play, like that. They kept showing that one little group of like five, that pot of five, just like, oh, what is happening? They failed me. <laughs> Shut up! They fa- you pipe down. Be quiet. I'm talking. <laughs> they failed me. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Santa Clara still getting five and a half against St. Mary's. That time of year, buddy, where the uh, games that we select. (laughs) I kind of like Chattanooga minus one versus Furman. Pull up. Well, who uh, doesn't? (laughs) Pull up the uh, start times for all these. I, I, I did not make my morning wagers the way that I ordinarily do. Ordinarily do. Good save. You're looking for what now? Uh, I'm looking for a little uh, Chattanooga minus one against Furman. Oh, I got to go to the full FBS. That uh, aforementioned St. Mary's game is at 11:30 p.m. Tip. You're so. damn right. I'm going to get that game in. You'll catch the last four minutes when you wake up for the morning. <laughs> well played. Well played. Uh, little Oral Roberts, North Dakota State action. This is this is a fun week. Furman Chattanooga is 7 p.m. Yes, I got time. Oral Roberts, North Dakota State. Perfect bridge. Gets you to St. Mary's. That's a 930 on ESPN Plus. Better lock it in. Better lock it in. I could even work in a little uh Bulls Sixers over. Maybe a little mm, I can't go that far. I was I, I How was, about Delaware Towson? 6 p.m. There you go. Uh Delaware's getting four and a half. I like them there. Oh, you were on that. I'm all over it, buddy. Yeah, getting four and a half. That is spooky. Well, I gamble. (laughs) North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full-on online applicant, I should speak, onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Hockey favors, perhaps? Hockey? Anybody? Thomas? Hockey? Yeah, I like uh, Florida. The provision on the puck line tonight at minus one and a half is rather inexpensive. Minus 130 or minus 140. This is the time of the year where I believe a lot of these teams that are the halves are going to go into that crazy mode where they win 75% of their games because it's just everybody's trying to get that home ice. 
Tampa and Florida are neck and neck. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tampa stomped on Chicago last night. Florida just got done stomping uh, Chicago, I believe, on Saturday, 6-1. to one. So give me Florida tonight, minus a goal and a half at Buffalo. They're going to handle business and handle it big. Find a second hockey matchup because I'll give you a basketball game that I like after checking my collective numbers here. I'll tell you what, I like North Dakota State minus a point against Oral Roberts, the Golden Eagles there, if you can get that. I'll have to shop around because I was looking at these early this morning putting them on my – I was cutting and pasting, Tom, as I was kind of putting together my, my wager board for the evening. I think that game comes down to the wire, and North Dakota State's a really good free-throw shooting team, so there you go. Yeah, if you're looking for an upset tonight, um, Columbus plus 180 against Toronto. They're hosting Toronto. That's a desperate Columbus team. Uh, I wouldn't put nearly as much confidence. This is not a 40-unit play in my (laughs) book. Florida is more of a 38-40 to unit play. But if you're just looking for a little bit of action, then Columbus plus 180 tonight just to beat Toronto. They could do that. Pizza money only. That's about a 20-unit play. A little pizza money. Always fun early in the week. Kind of get your week started right. Then you take your winnings. You go from there. Little percentages like you do when you're at the table. Be very careful with your picks for TPC this weekend for the players. It, that weather is going to affect a lot of things, not the least of which is scheduling. So yours truly, and I normally will float these out there for you on a Wednesday, and I will. Wait till Wednesday again this week, guys, before I go. Oh, as an aside, uh, we didn't mention it earlier today. Jordan Davis running a four seven eight forty at 752 pounds is really remarkable. I mean, to see a 700-pound man run that fast, and there's no way he weighs what they say he weighs. He looks 500 pounds. I'm not trying to dog him. I'm amazed by him. I can't fathom how anybody blocks that dude ever. Sorry, just thought I'd point that out. Just I didn't get it in today's show. It's bothering me. I it's worth it. noting. It's unreal. It is unreal. Okay, circling back. Um this is a fun week, though, and Wednesday I will have my golf picks. It should be noted I had Scheffler. I had uh, a really good week this week because I couldn't believe in my pool locally Hovland was available with my second pick, so I had Hovland and I Strange. had Scheffler. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you think about where, where I got screwed is I had Will Zalatoris who threw up a 79 yesterday. Your stock is falling, number two. Will, I'm going to need you to make a putt every now and again. I'm about, I think I'm going to leave Will off the ballot moving forward here. Like, he fell to pieces. There are some bad putts this weekend that. Mm. John Rahm missed a 10 inch putt. Across, that was unbelievable. Now that's a brain fart and a half. A 10 inch putt? Yeah. He left it uh, seven inches short. I mean, my man, <laughs> what are we doing? But uh, there were a lot of like three footers that really good putters missed all weekend. So I cut some slack. Oh, Because yeah, those greens yeah, yeah. were clearly like. They were uh, violating the slope or the rules of the grain or whatever. Clearly, the way they baked them out, that they were breaking tendencies. But there are certain guys that it doesn't matter if you get a little bit of slack. You still look like ass on the greens. And, and Hovland was one. McElroy is another. And I guess Zalatoris would join the, uh, oh, he joined the party. Oh, well, Zalatoris, top Even all. Kirk. Kirk hit the 50-footer yesterday. But other than that, he missed how many inside five feet? It was crazy. I, I watched those guys, and it was painful. Because I think about that feeling you get when you're having a good round and you've got a seven-footer. Like, we've all had that. You're having a good round, and you have a seven-footer. Now, that's that's a tester, but if you're going to continue to have a good round, that's a putt you got to make. And you saw a lot of guys stand over those putts like, I got no chance to make this putt. It's like, almost like it was uh, a left-to-right slider 
down the hill. You know, like you could just see that look. Some of these look like, you know, it should have been right edge and they're aiming left edge. You're like, what? How, how do you misread it by that much? But that's where you got to give these guys credit for being the best in the world. There, there has to be something goofy going on. But then Scotty Scheffler makes a couple of huge putts. The one on 15 was the one that won in the tournament. He got a little lucky with the bounce in front of the green, but then he buried whatever that was, a 15-footer, and it was going 10 feet by if it missed. I think another thing you see when these guys get worn out by the stress of those greens is it you're affected in other ways. So it happened both positively and negatively, at least in terms of an executed shot from the fairway. I saw guys miss putts after having to execute and concentrate to execute a 230-yard shot and try to hold it, right? Try to hold it up against the wind and have it fall. Even if they executed the shot, they could not ratchet back up that concentration necessary to make a 10, 12-foot putt. They're like It was way off because you know, you let your guard down after having executed a really tough shot, a really tough approach. Well, just to say nothing of Gary Woodland on 17. Oh, Gary. That shot on 16 to put him in position oh, and then the putt to and make an make eagle, eagle, that's heroic stuff as far as golf goes. His game is coming around, though. It is. It is. I mean, he's constantly around that first page now. Yeah. But then after that, to, I mean, what was that? That looked like John Rahm's 10-inch putt effort where he he thought this is a bad idea the moment that he took the club away. <laughs> this is a bad yeah. idea. Uh, woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah woo. Tom Watson on 72. <laughs> you know you know what's funny is it makes me feel better. It makes all of us feel better to watch it. Like, you just know, I've got that shot. I can hit that terribly. All while knowing I wouldn't break 110 on that course in those conditions with that wind. That still doesn't matter because they, they look foolish, and that, that's shot in front. But I only need to see that a few times a year, a couple times a year. I don't need to see that. I mean, you got the U.S. Open. That is a given that we're you – know, We just watched it. We just watched it. That's about the only time I need to see How that. How pissed would you be if you're Terrell Hatton? You, oh, if man. you shoot par yesterday, you win the thing by five shots. Well, Billy Horschel. Yeah. You know, even though he got it back together after starting plus four. Incapable of feeling bad for him. Yes, that group went out. He and, uh, was it Gooch? Yeah. Yeah. 40-43. They combined for 83 on the front. And we joined Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Yeah. 44-43 here, the two of them. 40-43 here? Feel okay. Yeah. Like, all right, it's good nine. (laughs) We're in position here. We're on schedule. It just made me laugh thinking about, like, ordinary guys that we know going, yeah, meh. I might be able to throw a 43 up there. Can't miss on the wrong side, but you, I might be yeah. all right here. You're going to stay out of the rough the entire time. Stay out of the rough. Don't short side yourself because you can't stop Don't it. Don't hit it's one gone. bad shot. You're going to have a gone. four. Yeah, there's hey, going to be a four putt or two. Sawgrass will be fun. I, I am curious. I love that course every year. I've had the good fortune of going over there and watching it. I won't be uh, there this year, obviously, as I'll be uh, off doing my thing uh, with the family. But I am excited to watch it. If we actually get 50 degrees and windy, I don't recall. I mean, it's been cold over there before, but I don't know about that. That that may be conditions we've never seen at Sawgrass, or at least since we've been paying uh, close I'd attention. say Brooks has a better chance. He doesn't like that course otherwise. No. He's a bad weather player just like Lowry. Good work out of you. Good work, Director Matthew. Thanks to all of you. You guys be well. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.